Hey everybody, welcome to the 20th episode of Drive Through FM. Uh, today is going to cover my top 10 anticipated Essen games as well as a few other things. I'll have a couple of small reviews for you before we get into that list. And then after the list, I'll quickly go over my top five games from 2013. It's been five years, and I get kind of asked for, you know, retrospective kind of looks and things. And not to sell myself short, but I think my top 10 anticipated Essen games is going to be a little bit boring. So that might go pretty quick. I'll talk more about that when we get to it. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do a couple of reviews here and then the top 10 Essen games that I'm looking forward to and then top five board games from 2013 that I still play. But uh, to do a little bit of cleanup uh, housekeeping uh, before we get into all of that, uh, last week, myself and Watch It Played and Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast, Board Game Replay and Pair of Dice Paradise did a tabletop showcase for Wildlands from Osprey Games designed by Martin Wallace. And I'll have a link to that if you missed any of that content in the description. I talked about it on the last episode. I went and did a painting how-to video on all of the miniatures in the base game and the expansion. And then everybody else kind of did their thing. You know, uh, Mar Marty and Tony from Rolling Dice and Names did a interview with Mr. Martin Wallace. Fantastic. Uh, Matt did some of his board game replay style. Rodney did the how to play. Chaz did a history of Osprey games. Hilarious and innovative and just an awesome video. And Jamie did kind of a design kind of dissection of Martin Wallace and kind of really kind of broke the game down from sort of a thematic perspective and then sort of uh, kind of uh, a Martin Wallace perspective, if you will. Uh, and I got to say, you know, these guys are my friends and I know we all work together on the content and everything like that, but everybody put out really amazing stuff. And I definitely recommend everybody take a look if they've got time at all of the stuff that was put out, because I'm just honestly very, 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 very proud to uh, be associated with all of them and the content that they put out. I know that sounds really fluffy and everything, but I just got to say, I feel like everybody kind of really stepped up their game, tried a little something different. Uh, you know, went the extra mile and stuff. And uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm very happy to be a part of it. And I was happy to uh, digest all of their content along with everything else. Uh, but one thing that we were doing was giving away a copy of Wildlands and the Unquiet Dead expansion fully painted, which is featured in the video that I did. I did mention that I would announce the winner here and I'm shipping it out as I uh, record this, but I'm going to announce that uh, Ruben Landon actually won it. He's from Ohio. And I messaged him on Board Game Geek, and so that is the winner. Congratulations, Ruben! And so I hope you enjoy the game and enjoy the painted miniatures. And it uh, was was with uh, reluctant pleasure that I sent it away <laughs> because when I was done with it, I was like, oh, I want to keep it now because <laughs> I painted all of these. Uh, but no, I'm happy to give it away. It was a fun project, like I said. So anyway, that's kind of the housekeeping a bit. So congratulations, Ruben, and definitely check out that content. Uh, if you get some time there. Uh, we'll do a couple of quick reviews here, three to be exact, and we'll just kind of work through it. Uh, the first sort of review will be for Western Legends. This is from Colossal Games. This is a relatively new imprint. Uh, they've put out some more Kickstarters and more games since uh, releasing this one. Uh, they're in charge of the uh, Eclipse 2nd Edition uh, to some degree. I'm not sure all the distribution details and all that kind of stuff, but uh, they're definitely heavily involved with it. And uh, Western Legends was kind of, I think that was their first game under this uh, official imprint here. 
and it's a Western game, if you can imagine a game Western Legends. And you can play sort of as a good cowboy or a bad cowboy. That kind of sums it up. And it's very much an adventure-style game. A lot of the mechanics are driven by sort of poker cards that have special abilities in addition to, you know, the suits and numbers and all that stuff. And you can kind of cruise around, you can steal cattle, you can deliver cattle, you can rob other players, you can rob the bank, you can arrest other players, you can get arrested by the game. There's a sheriff that kind of moves around. Uh, you can have duels, you can have all kinds of different things happen. You can, you know, go fight bandits that are non-player characters and so on. And this is a game that uh, I pretty much enjoyed. Uh, my group was really not hot on it. And when I say I enjoyed it, I kind of enjoyed it. It's a very loosey-goosey uh, game like it's not very tight uh, you can just kind of do whatever you want which is cool I kind of like that uh, I shouldn't say I kind of like that that part I really like that part of it you can just wander around and do what you will uh, you can go you know like bandit or you can go you know sheriff kind of attitude and so the open-endedness of it is really fun and the card driven kind of mechanic with the poker cards is really cool so you can get poker cards you can play them in duels uh, but you kind of want to save some of the cards because the cards are multi-use. So you can either use the high cards in duels or save them for the special actions and and use those during your turn for things. Or then you can actually go to like the casino or the saloon and play a hold'em, a real quick hand to hold them with them. And you can get a lot of money that way. And you can, uh, you can get your victory points in a lot of different ways. And so one of the ways you could do is like, you know, basically turning in a, a bunch of money and stuff like that. So the mechanics and stuff are all, they all work and everything, but like it has some weird quirks where uh, like if somebody is a, a bandit, you know, they, they, they're on the wanted chart, uh, they can get really targeted right at the end of the game. Or, you know, there's certain things where like somebody will get kind of an engine going where they upgrade their mount and they can ride the horse really fast and deliver cattle really quick and, or go mine gold and all this stuff. And so you have to have some player, for example, in that situation, kind of knock them down a peg because there's, you, they can do that without no, no risk, right? So you can just go get gold, get your mount, and then you get an engine going, and then you're, you're on your way uh, circling in, and you're getting legendary points for doing the mining of the gold and all that stuff and getting money, which makes getting points really easy. But unless somebody goes wanted on you then and goes and robs you and, and stops you, then you can't really do anything about it. And then it's sort of like, okay, well, I'm doing this stuff to knock them down a peg. And then meanwhile, I've left Billy alone, and Billy's building up his engine. So... It's very kind of player policed in terms of trying to keep everybody in check and so there's not a runaway leader, which isn't always a problem, but it can just kind of rear its head to be a problem where you're having fun playing the game, you're on an adventure, and then you kind of figure out that you want to try to win the game, and then that's where the game kind of becomes a problem. Uh, so I still liked it because I, I didn't really mind. So if we got to the end of the game and I was, I think the, we played it once and I was like just a few points behind maybe like four or five after the uh you know all the end game points and stuff were totaled up and you know like my last turn for example i was i got kind of screwed out of four points or something and uh you know and i didn't really mind it i was like well i was kind of in the hunt you know and and everything and then it just turned out that uh let's say billy had a better engine and you know got through and nobody stopped him in time to really horn him in and that was it so it's kind of weird because it's I, the game and everything. It's fun to play. Like the mechanics are fun. I think it's you know a good design in terms of the fun side of it, and it's got just a lot of interesting stuff going on with the card play and all the different kind of uh, things that you can do. But it kind of just 
falls apart, so to speak, uh, once you get towards the end of the game and, uh, you know, try to really, if you try to play it like hyper competitively, hyper competitively and hyper efficiently, then it kind of just, yeah, I don't know. It just peters out and fills out, which is kind of a bummer. So I definitely recommend the game to a slight degree because if you really are into doing the Western thing, I think you can get some plays out of it. But just be aware that there's, you're going to feel like, oh God, there's something I just can't do or just, you know, I just the way the game's set up, it just, it's making me do something I don't really want to do. So it's interesting. Uh, but that's Western Legends from Colossal Games. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is Cryptid. And if you saw my review last week for Shadows Amsterdam, which was a really fun real-time deduction game, uh, this is a, a very, I would, I'm just going to use this word, it's a very like Euro deduction game. And what I mean by that is a lot of times with deduction games, you're sort of crossing stuff off a list. Like, okay, no, it can't be uh, Sally in the blue dress in the saloon because this and that, or I know it's not Mr. Orange over here with the wrench. You know, they have that very clue idea where you're sort of going through and ruling things out and getting to the point where you can make a guess. So it's it's that kind of deduction game where it's not really like a Mysterium or Code Names or some of these newer deduction games. It's more of that older style, but it's modernized in such a way that there's a sort of a collective deduction that's happening on the board. So what it is is you have one spot on this board. It's this modular hex board and players are given each a clue to where this cryptid or this sort of monster like a Bigfoot or something, any kind of mystery monster is located and you're trying to find them. So you're all given one clue, but the combination of all your clues and the exact board setup, because the board is set up in an exact way, there's like 20 or 30 different random setups. And then you can even, there's even like an app or something online you can go and generate more once you go through all of them in the game. And so everybody gets a clue that fits an exact board and there's only one spot on the board that will satisfy all the player's clues. And so you ask people questions and you're putting out cubes and discs and things and you try to figure out, oh, because they've been putting out cubes, which means it's a spot that it doesn't satisfy their clue and I can see what everybody's been doing, then I can make a guess and say, I'm gonna search here. And then if everybody puts a disc and not a cube, then we know that's their exact spot. And you can just very organically and naturally and very, 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 very visually see the deduction sort of unfold on the table. Um, and I've had a chance to play it several times. A buddy of mine has it. And it's just been a blast. And there's like different difficulty levels that you can set it at. And you can set it, you know, just play it the kind of the normal opening way uh, very easily. And after we played it a couple of times, there was actually one instance we were playing with five players and I was going last. And so everybody had a turn. There's a little bit of setup where you seed the board with some clues right at the beginning. And so that setup had happened and then everybody had one turn. And then on my turn, I was like, I think I know where at least three of the other players are at, really pretty sure. And then the other one, I'm not sure, but based on the cube, I just made an educated guess and I said, I'm searching here, first turn of the game, one. <laughs> it was so, it was really funny actually. But I was like, gosh, I hadn't, I'm 99% sure where three of these people are at. The other one, I'm not really sure, but I know it's not this, so I guessed this other one and just won the game. And that was like on a basic kind of setup, so it wasn't too crazy or anything, but it was just super fun. And then you'll have a game like that where it goes a couple of turns, and you're like, I'm pretty sure it's this, but I don't know Billy's. So you'll guess it, and then the first other player that's not Billy will be, nope, that's not it. And you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know how to play this game. 
but it's really fun and it plays quick it doesn't really take more than a half an hour or so um, and like I said you can kind of tailor difficulty a little bit uh, so if you get really good at it and get to, and I which I could see like if we play it a lot more uh, the more easier uh, types of setups I could see definitely myself and certainly most of the rest of my group uh, really getting into it where they could really get those one or two turn guesses in and it's really just a race um, but the other sort of this other side of the coin of that is you can answer questions in the negative in a certain way that will actually sort of throw people off. So as people play and get experience, there's ways that you can sort of legally and truthfully answer things without revealing too much about what your clue actually is as well. So there's some kind of cat and mouse ways to kind of mitigate that, which will add a little bit to the replayability and the fun. But I definitely uh, recommend Cryptid uh, 100%. I got to get a copy for myself here. And, uh, and check that one out. But So that's Cryptid. That's from Osprey Games. And the last review is going to be sort of a game I've reviewed before, but it's a new edition of it. Uh, this is another unlock, and this is the uh, Wizard of Oz unlock. So it's set in the, of course, the movie uh, of Wizard of Oz. I think, was there a book? I don't remember if there was a book for Wizard of Oz because there's some other elements in it that I don't remember being in the movie. It's been a few decades since I've seen it. And uh, so it's an unlock game. And if you've not heard of those, definitely go check out uh, reviews on those. I'm, hundreds of people have reviewed it at this point. And it's a, like an escape room game that you have an app and a deck of cards and you go through and find clues and solve puzzles. And the app really assists you uh, with entering codes and, and playing kind of like little mini games on the app, so to speak. Uh, this is really good. This is definitely my favorite unlock. I think I've played four or five of them at this point. This might have been my fifth. And it really fits the theme. It was, I would say, slightly more on the difficulty side. Uh, although we finished it with about a minute left. And this is one that you can sort of finish to different degrees. I don't want to give a spoiler, but it's not just like one sort of puzzle you're trying to solve. There could be multiple. Um, so we finished all of the puzzles that you could solve uh, with a minute left. And we really should have had probably four minutes left, but uh, somebody went and entered a number in the app when they really shouldn't have <laughs> me and thought the other player was telling them to enter a number and I did and I thought he said it which he kind of did but he was sort of just speaking out loud uh, anyway so but we still beat it within a minute uh, and it's really cool so if you've seen the movie like I would recommend actually uh, watching the movie if you haven't seen it in a long time and then playing it because there's definitely some callbacks to it and one of the players that was playing with us uh, there was at least two instances that I can remember right now where one of the clues was, oh, no, because of this. And then we were like, oh, that's right. Because they, they don't really give you that in the game, that little extra bit of clue to really, you know, sync up those synapses and then go, oh, that's the answer. But if you've watched the movie recently, you'll be like, oh, no, this is we have to do this number because of this happened in the movie. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That did happen in the movie. Uh, so that's kind of neat. So maybe that could be something fun where folks watch Wizard of the Oz and maybe that will make it super easy. I don't think so. Um, but that would be kind of a fun game night, I think. Everybody watches Wizard of the Oz. I don't think it's a long movie. Maybe it's an hour and a half. And then after that, uh, you know, maybe you have some dinner or something and then uh, and then go into playing uh, this game. So that's really cool. It was really fun. And it was just lots of neat things other than being tied to, you know, the IP of Wizard of Oz. There was other little kind of elements that really kind of fleshed out uh, the world presented by the game as well. So anyway, that's the Unlock Wizard of Oz. Really had a great time with that. 
Okay, so let's take a short little break here, and then I will come back with my top 10 Essen games that I am anticipating for Essen 2018. Okay, so we're going to talk about the top 10 anticipated Essen games of 2018. And I did mention that I thought it might be boring uh, earlier, and I don't like to shoot myself in the foot. Uh, but I'm going to go through this quick. And I think it's going to be a little bit boring because a lot of the stuff that I'm anticipating is stuff that I already know that I like. Like, there's so many Essen games these days. I think there's over a thousand on the geek list on uh, Board Game Geek, which I'll put a link to their little preview geek list widget in the description. If you're not familiar with that, it's a great way to kind of go through. Uh, the link will sort them by the hotness, so you maybe you can cut to the chase, but you can also unsort it if you want. You know, back a couple of years ago, I might go in and like dig into rule books and things and sort of try to find that hidden gem a little bit more diligently uh, than I would now. But right now, there's so many more games coming out, and I'm going to hear about the games that are the hidden gems that get catch a little kind of word of mouth buzz you're going to get a handful of those you're going to get a handful of games that sort of uh, leak out over time and that certain publishers will play at least in terms of the united states uh, citizens <laughs> uh you know the publishers will play and see them in s and they'll say that game's really good they have a savvy mind hopefully for games and so they'll bring it over so that will also generate buzz and these are games that we'll see over here you know, early into next year to kind of fill in the gaps, you know, building for, again, the cycle of releases going into the summer. So I found it really hard sort of intellectually, if that makes any sense, to get excited about stuff and really dig into stuff that I want to wait and see on. And I feel like, you know, part of the perception sometimes with like a board game press person is that you should be out there in the grindstone, in the trenches, looking for the the next gem and all that i'm like man it's you can't like it's just random luck that you hear about something or it's just word of mouth which doesn't take any work just like following social media and stuff and saying oh look uh susie says she likes this game uh, susie seems to like a lot of games i like so let me take a look at it oh that does look neat <laughs> uh that's it um so there's not gonna be really anything interesting here i haven't really watched a lot of other lists uh, but i do have a sense that my list is going to line up and cross over with a lot of other people's. And then after I did was done making my list, I then sorted, which is the link I'm going to have in my description, sort everything by the hotness. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so some of these are at the top of the hotness, uh, which I didn't do beforehand because I wanted to go in with a clear head. Uh, so some of those are there. And then the other ones that I didn't pick that rose to the top is a similar vibe. I'm like, ah, so these are the couple of games we've already kind of had buzz and heard about that are already coming out. Or there are the expansions, some of the same expansions that I have in the list and expansions for other games, are, which are still expansions and still a known quantity. So it's not really a new thing. So slightly boring, like it's not really anything super new. Uh, but anyways, all that preamble and nonsense, let's just jump into it. And I'll be very, very, very brief here. Uh, so the number 10 is, don't groan, please. I know some of you will groan, is <laughs> the Warhammer 40,000 Speed Freaks. <laughs> which is basically uh, the Gorka Morka racing game 
but in 40k so it's a bunch of orc buggies and vehicles and little bikes and mashed up things uh but it's like a little x-wing game you get a little board and stuff i'm honestly most excited for this so i can play gaslands which i reviewed uh, a few months ago at the kind of 40k scale uh, because i've got some 40k tanks and vehicles and trucks and things and this would give me like access to cars. So basically what you do is you play Gaslands uh, with some scaled up uh, movement templates at, on a six by four table. And then, hey, you just tell the guy what the rules are for the cars that you have and then play Gaslands with <laughs> Like I'm more interested in playing Gaslands with these cars than the game. Although I will try to play Speed Freaks and see if it's fun. It seems like it's, you know, there's some design thought there for sure. Uh, and I'm not really interested in collecting an orc army or anything for proper Warhammer 40,000. So Honestly, I'm interested in this because the minis look amazing and it's going to probably be the minis at a discount. Whereas if you were to go buy the individual cars and things, it would be more expensive. Uh, so yeah, I'm interested to play Gaslands in 40k and this kind of will flesh that out because there's already tanks and trucks and things and bikes, but there's not really like car size miniatures that are scaled in this in the size of a car. So this will help flesh that out and that could build a really neat Gaslands in the 40k wasteland table and play that'll be fun okay so you can stop your groaning and that's the for the the non-miniature <laughs> listeners all right and then number nine is pandemic fall of rome uh you know i, I normally would not be that interested in a number another retread of pandemic but the few that i've played uh, that are set like in different time periods or there's like a Cthulhu pandemic and the uh, pandemic Iberia was one that I played and a couple others have been really good and really fun and you know just an iteration on that system and I think this would be a really kind of a neat theme for pandemic where basically what it is is a barbarians are encroaching on Rome and you're trying to fight them off and you know keep Rome alive and, uh, and that's just a, a cool theme. I mean, because Rome was one of the, you know, bigger sort of empires in history, as well as some other empires that no, never get any love. But, uh, you know, so that's a, it's an interesting theme because you always kind of feel sometimes like, especially nowadays, like things are, are going pretty good. Like historically, compared to, let's say, 100 years ago, things are better than they were then for most people. And I always feel like that's an interesting sort of brain exercise to be like, what if we're like Rome at its peak right now, but we don't realize it. And then in 50 years, we're like, you know, the United States has fallen or Western civilization has fallen. So that's always kind of an interesting idea. I guess if you wanted to play that, you could play Pandemic Legacy. I'm not trying to spoil that, but <laughs> uh, so Pandemic Fall of Rome, I, it, it's a good theme, I think. And it should be uh, an approachable sort of uh, mechanics that you can play a game set in the fall of Rome that's not a big complicated war game either, you know. So uh, I'm, 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 pretty, I'm looking forward to Pandemic Fall of Rome. So that's number nine. And then number eight is Imperial Settlers Amazons. Now this is an expansion for Imperial Settlers, which I still do play from time to time. And this has definitely become one of my all-time favorite card games. Uh, this is from Portal Games, obviously. And, uh, and they haven't put out anything new for it in a, a while. I think it's been a year. So I'm very excited to, uh, to play this. Some of the new mechanics and stuff sound pretty interesting. Um, I know the designer, Ignasi, said he based it on Terraforming Mars, uh, one of the mechanics. So it's a very clean mechanic where you kind of like, you're always getting bonuses for building buildings. And then 
you also can like sort of destroy and replace buildings and then put them back into your deck. So it's kind of like an in-game deck building kind of thing going on. So yeah, I'm just super interested in that and because I know I like the game and it just gives me another faction that I can deck build for and and try out. Uh, so that's that's it. I'm really interested in it just because it's it's more expansions for that game. It's a very unique game, Imperial Settlers. It's, it's like playing a San Juan or Race for the Galaxy, but you have deck building. And, uh, and you've got a really cool kind of pseudo-fantastical civilization theme as well. So that's Imperial Settlers Amazons. Now, number six and number seven, I'm just going to do them at the same time. Uh, number seven is Caverna Cave vs. Cave Era 2 The Iron Age. So it's an expansion for the two-player Caverna. Number six is Caverna The Forgotten Folk. And it's the first real proper uh, expansion for the big game of Caverna which I frankly haven't played in some time, and I have been really having an itch to play, uh, frankly, both of these games. I really enjoy Caverna. Like, I'm one of those that prefers Caverna over Agricola, mostly because of the theme, I think. Uh, you know, I, I do kind of miss the card play in Agricola, but not, not that much. <laughs> uh, so I like, but I'm glad there's an expansion for it because I've really been curious if there's ever going to be an expansion for the big game of Caverna, and this will be a good excuse to get it back out to the table. And I've really been itching to get it out to the table. Now, I've played Caverna, the big game, with my family and with uh, kind of the gamer group. And the people like it, but not as much as me. So this is one I still keep because I, I really like it. Um, so hopefully I can get this out and it's not too overwhelming of an expansion. Uh, you know, it's like, because the game's pretty overwhelming as it is. But hopefully it's not too overwhelming and it gives you kind of a quick in to get it going and then I can kind of bring it out with uh, with both the groups so I'm looking forward to that and then the Caverna the Cave versus Cave the two player game I really like that and, and you know because Uwe Rosenberg who designed both these games he's got that series of two player games he got the Agricola All Creatures Big and Small he had the Lahav two player game and then the Caverna two player game now I like the Caverna one more than the Agricola one but when you add the expansions to the Agricola one, there's no question that that's a better game because there's just so much like variability and stuff to keep the game fresh. Um, so I'm excited to see what an expansion will do to the two-player Caverna and to see maybe if that would actually sort of replace uh, the Agricola one. So that's six and seven. I, I could have mashed them together, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but I'm really excited to that because I really do enjoy that Caverna thing. And like I talked about last time, maybe there could be a Caverna universe and somebody will write a novel or set a fantasy miniature game in the Caverna universe. I'm just joking. I don't take me seriously there. Okay, so that's six and seven, the two Caverna expansions. Number five, the last expansion on the list. You can see how I, I'm trying to blow through this because there's a lot of expansion. Uh, Great Western Trail, Rails to the North. So Great Western Trail is one that I love, uh, my group loves, it keeps coming out. I played it just maybe two months ago right now, maybe a little bit less than that. And last Thursday when we were playing there, we were playing the Unlock game and some other games. Uh, there were some other folks there that weren't playing those and they were playing Great Western Trail. So it's a game that keeps coming out. And really, um, just by the sheer amount of times that I'm getting it played, uh, it's just really rising up in terms of like my favorite games of all time. Uh, you know, it, it's getting up there like to where I would I'd throw it up there with Kalis, not above it. But it's just the way that it plays out. It feels very thematic. I think I've got a thing in my brain where I like to see like little towns built up 
on little trails because <laughs> Kalis and we're at Western Trail have that sort of thing where you have these buildings go out and you're building up this sort of community of different businesses and things. And so Great Western Trail is a comp- totally different game than Kalis. Uh, and it's got that cool kind of cow delivery sale stuff. And so I'd like to really see what they can do uh, to add on to the game and keep it uh, interesting. I'm just I'm just very curious about this one. And like I said, I'm, I'm just really loving Great Western Trail still. And it's kind of weird because it's one of those, I think it's ranked like number 10 on Board Game Geek. But you don't really, I don't know, I don't really see people talk about it that much. I'm not really sure. Maybe I'm just not noticing it, but you don't really see people talk. You see people talk about terraforming Mars like all the time. <laughs> and terraforming Mars is fine, but I'm like, Great Western Trail is so much better. <laughs> but I guess most people don't think that. Anyway, it's not that that's silly. But anyway, so yeah, I just, I'm only interested in this because I don't really think it needs an expansion, but man, I just really have been liking the game more and more and more and more over the last couple of years. So that's number five, Great Western Trail, Rails to the North. Now, number four is Monolith Arena. And this is, you could you can kind of consider this an expansion, although it's not. This is a fantasy version of Niroshima Hex, which is also from Portal Games, like Imperial Settlers is. Uh, so Niroshima Hex is a game, I reviewed that a few years ago. I think I even did like a walkthrough of the app I think I might have reviewed the app or did a playthrough of the app uh, so it, Russian Max is a very interesting game you haven't really seen anything for it for the last couple of years because it's very old I think it's a, probably an over 10 year old game at this point and it's a two player battle game although you can play it with more than two but it's really a two player game and you put these little hex tiles out and they have like little icons and special abilities and there's different factions and Russian Max is set in kind of a post-apocalyptic universe and you have these different factions and they're fighting and they will do these different abilities and move around. So you just play tiles and there's no combat until either the board fills up and then you trigger combat and you kind of kind of dissect the board and figure out how combat resolves. Or you can get tiles as part of your little deck of tiles that you play instead of like putting a, a dude out there. And then that will trigger a battle. So you, it's kind of a balancing act between sort of setting yourself up for the advantage and then triggering combat and so on. So it's a really unique game. Like I've never seen anything like it. And I was really, uh, really, really enjoyed it uh, for a time there. Now, this is basically Monolith Arena is a fantasy version of that. So you've got dwarves and elves and things. And there's a couple of new mechanics. So it's kind of a Niroshima Hex 2.0 where you can sort of set some uh, tiles off to the side and then bring them in at an opportune moment and set everything up. Now everybody has a fixed faction of tiles. You always have the same tiles for each faction. So they each play in very different ways because they're very asymmetric in how they play. Uh, so yeah, that's why I said this is a little bit boring of a top 10 because it's like, oh, you just you you were excited about Niroshima Hex, which is 10 years old? Well, yeah, but <laughs> this is a new one. <laughs> so I'm excited about it because I haven't played it, honestly, in a few years. And I remember really enjoying it. And, you know, this is going to be new. It's going to be different. It's going to be uh, fantasy. So that's neat. Um, but, yeah, so I'm really excited about Monolith Arena. And that's my number four. Uh, now, my number three is from the designer of Great Western Trail. Again, with the whole redundancy here. Uh, but this is a, a brand new game uh, from Eggertspiel. Uh, the designer's name is Alexander Fister, which I should give his name if I'm going to mention him. It's called Blackout Hong Kong. And it looks like it's a sort of an area control Euro game, like just on the surface without really reading rules or anything. But it has a very cool theme. 
So Hong Kong has, you know, had a, a very severe energy crisis and you're trying to recover it. I don't know if it's like a nuclear war or something and shut it down or some kind of catastrophe, but you're kind of trying to rebuild uh, Hong Kong and do it in such a way. And so one of, one of the games that I really enjoy and still play often is London. And London is set in the, was it 1600s or 1700s? And uh, there was a great fire in London and you're trying to, trying to rebuild the city and stake out your claim and sort of uh, take advantage of everybody being in a bad situation, which is terrible. But uh, as far as a game goes, that's an interesting idea to me for a theme for what's probably, from the designer of Great Western Trail, a really solid Euro game. Uh, where you're trying to kind of carve out your little niche and uh, you know help recover uh, Hong Kong and uh, and move it up. So it's got a lot of you know deck building kind of mechanics, area control. Looks like it's got like a little rondelle with some dice that do some different things. Uh, so yeah, I'm just this is a game that's right up my alley. It's got a theme right away. That's like oh, this is a theme I can get into. This is a new different kind of theme. It's not sci-fi or you know trading the Mediterranean or whatever. And uh, so yeah, I'm just super interested in that and. I really like just about everything that the designers put out. So, um, you know, Eggert Spill usually has a good, really good, solid uh, game that they put out every year. That seems to be up my alley. So that's that's why I'm interested in that. It seems like a good Euro, good theme. Uh, Blackout Hong Kong, that's my number three. Uh, number two, this is probably the biggest deviation on the list. I've been seeing this getting a little bit of buzz in a couple of various websites on the internet. It's called Mars Open tabletop golf so it's basically playing golf on mars and it's a dexterity game and you can set up different holes and try to flick stuff around and score golf <laughs> so and the art is like really pink and red and i'm like that looks neat uh so yeah i'm super excited like this would be a really fun game maybe with the family uh, maybe as a filler game at game night kind of thing uh, that's it. It's a dexterity game with really quirky pink as hell art and it's on Mars. I mean, that just sounds fun. Like it's hard to screw up a dexterity game, I would think. <laughs> and the buzz I've seen is people that have actually played it and they've really enjoyed it and had a great time. So yeah, this I think this is higher on the list, so to speak, because it this is one of the new things, not like an expansion or something that is like something that I know I like. Uh, this is probably the biggest risk of the list, so to speak, even though it's not that big of a risk because it's a dexterity game. So anyway, that's number two, uh, Mars Open Tabletop Golf. And then number one is a return to form <laughs> from the rest of the list. That's a new Stefan Feld game, Carpe Diem. It looks super ugly. Uh, it looks, I watched a bit of a playthrough of it, and I, I was like maybe 10 minutes in, I shut it off. I'm like, yep, okay, this seems like a Feld game. Uh, so, yeah, I have not played a new Feld game in a while. I've played uh, a lot of Castles of Burgundy over the last couple of months. And, uh, you know, so that's that's always a good uh, good one to go back to. Uh, so, yeah, I'm in the mood for a new Feld game. I played uh, Merlin, was it, was it last year? Yeah, last year Merlin came out. And I played that a couple times. I don't own that one, but uh, that was a good one. That was fun. I mean, it's a Feld game. Like, I don't know, it's... I don't want to say you either like Feld or you don't. I don't think that's a true statement. But like, if you like Feld, you probably either like a, another one of his games, especially recently, last several years. He kind of has a thing where he like, oh, I could do this, or 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 I could do this. And if I do this, next turn I could do this. If I do this, next turn I could do this. If I do this, next turn I could do this. And the turn after that I could do that. And the turn after that I could do that. 
that's the games like that's seven failed games that's it uh so that's fun i like that and for some reason the way he sort of rewards you in that manner of thinking is really fun to me uh so i'm looking forward to it carpe diem steffenfeld i haven't played a new steffenfeld game in a while other than merlin last year and before that i think it had been maybe a couple of years since i played i think aquasphere that was maybe three four years ago and that was the last new one that i really liked and played so Anyway, that's my top 10 games. Uh, number one there, Carpe Diem from Stefan Feld. So let me uh, get a drink and take a break. And then we'll come back with my top five from 2013. And these are games that I still play. There's some other games uh, that I either have or, or didn't have or don't have, but I got rid of whatever and they were higher on the list back when I did the list. But these are five games that have hung out for five years. And, uh, and so we'll come back and go over those uh, quickly to kind of wrap things up. Okay, welcome back there. Hope everybody enjoyed that uh, very unassuming top 10 Essen list. And so, like I said, we're going to do the top five from 2013. I got this up, you know, about to 10 games, and then I kind of realized, well, you know, there's five of these that I've played, I would say, a significant amount in the last five years, or let's say the last four years after 2013 has come and gone, and really stayed, you know, in the collection in a, in a strong way. And so these are kind of ordered in maybe the order of uh, most played, or at least the most played, even though the least of it, I still got several plays of it in. Uh, so anyway, quickly, number five is Cuba Libre. This is a coin game from GMT Games set during the uh, Cuban Civil War Revolution, so to speak, um, back around the 1940s and 50s. And it's four players with asymmetric sides, with asymmetric goals. If you're not familiar with the coin games, uh, definitely take out... I did, a, I think, a review and a playthrough of Cuba Libre. And I've reviewed Andy and Abyss and some other coin games in that series. Uh, Cuba Libre is probably still my favorite. Although I have gone back over the last couple years and played Andy and Abyss again. There's something I, I like about that as well. And I haven't played the last two really new ones. Um, just because there's, I kind of coined myself out. I, I think I could be convinced to play one of the new ones, but I played like the first four or five a lot. Like I'm talking a ton uh, because you can play them on Vassal, which is like an online thing. And so I played them like, man, I mean, I'm not kidding, like 30, 40 times or something with Cuba Libre and Annie and a Biscuit and like most of those plays. I played uh, Distant Plane like five or six times or something like that. And I don't even know. I like I lost track. Like I constantly had games going and taking my turn, multiple turns per day, and like I really grinded myself out on the coin games. But Cuba Libre is one that I think is, if you want to try a coin game, get that one. And they they constantly it goes out of print often, but they do bring it back. And it's probably the the least overwhelming, even though it's still largely overwhelming to a degree. Uh, but it's it's really fun, and I, I the, the the dynamics of the different factions, like you've got Castro's faction, and you've got sort of a uh, another communist faction that wasn't part of Castro's deal, and you know you've got the government, and you've got the American mafia down there in Cuba causing trouble, 
so the way that all those kind of factions interlock and play against each other is super interesting. Anyway, so that's Cuba Libre number five. Uh, number four is Viticulture, and I don't think this is one that I had on my list back then as my favorite games out of 2013, but Viticulture with Tuscany and that, that expansion, and then you've got like now the Viticulture and the Tuscany Essential Editions, which I would definitely recommend those. Uh, this has become a really big popular game with the family. We played it a lot. This was kind of our go-to game there for a while there, a year or two ago, and uh, it's just really, it's really fun. It's uh, it's a St Stonemaier Games uh, first game, I believe, that they made, and they've really kind of come back at it and iterated on it. I liked the original edition when it came out. Like, I thought it was really fun and it was interesting. It's sort of a Lords of Waterdeep kind of thing, if you ever played that, where you have worker placement stuff and you get resources and do things and get money. But then there's certain spots where you go and you'll put your guy in there and then you'll play cards. So you've got like a hand of cards. You're trying to manage these different uh, winery types of actions and grow your different wines and you know convert it, the grapes into wines and have these special action cards. So it's just one of those things where you, it gives you like a fistful of stuff that you can do. And it's just like this cool little toolbox of things that you can get in there and play with. Uh, so that's Viticulture, but then kind of with the caveat of uh, and you almost don't need to caveat it these days because I think the only way to get it is to get those essential editions where they've added some of the expansion things which sort of, I guess, fix the original game. It just kind of rounded out. It was almost like the first Viticulture was really, really good and it just wasn't finished. Um, and I don't mean that in a way like they just rushed it out. It was like that design just needed that extra year to bake and be like, oh, okay, well, after all these people have playtested it, I can see where okay, we could just add this little thing here, round that up a little bit, and then, then the game will be as perfect as it's going to get, right? Because sometimes these designs just seem to live, and you just kind of stop when you feel like stopping and say, I think I'm done, and then sometimes you are and sometimes you aren't. And uh, so definitely take a look at Viticulture uh, for a nice kind of medium-weight Euro kind of vibe there. That was number four. And then number three is Eldritch Horror. And this is from Fantasy Flight Games. It's a large, kind of planet-wide Arkham Horror cooperative Cthulhu-based game. Uh, it's just really... I found this... The thing I like about this is it always feels kind of epic when we play it. And it's... Even though there's like a lot of cards and boards and things that you can do, it's actually really quick to set up. At least the way that I store everything and organize it. So it's easy to just kind of throw the board out. We're using this extra board or not. Yes, no, okay, whatever. And then we set up all the decks. And then it's really straightforward. You just move your little character around, and there's like so many different characters you can get for it now with special abilities. And you move character around, you fight stuff, and you do investigations, and you just let the story kind of just unravel, and then just the game goes crazy, and it's fun. Uh, so, yeah, I've really liked Eldritch Horror. I have not kept up on the expansions. I've got probably like five of them, I think. Uh, I know they just... I think they've kind of slowed down. I should probably go grab the last... I think I missed like the last two or something. This little small ones. But yeah, this is one that kept coming out, kept coming out. And it's really kind of grown uh, in my you know, estimation the more we've played it. And I haven't actually played it probably within the last year. Uh, but definitely from 2013 up until now, it kept getting uh, played and coming out and stuff. And this is one that I've actually uh, busted out and soloed uh, more than a couple of times. 
and it's it's fine solo i prefer playing this one with people <laughs> but uh, yeah it's just more fun with people to kind of discuss stuff with and share the little read the little stories and the cards and things and and all that silly stuff uh so that's uh, that's number three eldritch horror uh, which, you know, I'll be curious if they keep supporting this because the new Arkham Horror 3rd Edition is coming out, which I did demo at Gen Con, and it was fun. I liked it. Uh, I'm curious. I don't know. Like, I really like Eldritch Horror. Um, so I don't know if I would like the new Arkham Horror or not, more or less. I don't, I don't really know. But anyway, so number two, which you've heard the name of a lot this episode, is Caverna. So, you know, we got the expansion coming out for Caverna and the two-player Caverna and all that stuff's happened. Uh, Caverna is one that's, like I said, I haven't played it in probably a year or so. And, uh, you know, one that the family and the game group haven't liked as much as I have, but I really do enjoy it. I think it's my favorite Uwe Rosenberg game. I don't know, whatever, but (laughs) I really like it. And uh, so, yeah, this is obviously a stuck around. And I can't wait to get it back to the table with the expansions. And that's my number two from 2013. So, going into number one, which is... Oh, that's funny. I didn't even realize I did that. That's funny. Now that I'm talking out loud. So, my number one for from 2013 is from the same designer as my number one anticipated game from Essen this year. Which, reminder, was Carpe Diem from Stefan Feld. And the number one from 2013 was Bora Bora from Stefan Feld. So Bora Bora is one that we played a lot of uh, in the game group uh, after it came out, probably for about that year. It would come out here and there. Uh, But it has actually lasted longer uh, uh, in the family, and they actually often do uh, request it. Uh, I have played a few different Stefan Feld games with the family, and uh, they always ask for Burgundy and Bora Bora. Now, I personally think I probably prefer Trajan over, you know, that's my favorite Stefan Fell game, I think. Um, but uh, nobody else seems to like like it as much as me. Again, that's also a theme for today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they will always ask for Burgundy or Bora Bora. Did you bring Burgundy or Bora Bora today? Okay. And then, uh, so yeah, so that's one that we've gotten out as well. Um, and it's, it's a, Bora Bora is kind of a weird one because the family group is sort of weird like we'll play a game like I don't know, I'm trying to think of a game that you wouldn't expect so they, they like Bora Bora right and they like Steam but there's other games that we'll play and they're like I don't I don't like this game I don't get it it hurts my brain and I'm like but you can play Bora Bora <laughs> like why did you get into that game but not this game this game is easier than Bora Bora but it's just weird how people's brains work that's all anyway but yeah so Bora Bora keeps coming out uh, family plays it a lot and uh, but it's another one has probably been a year honestly since I played this one, and uh, so yeah. But it's uh, it's a good game, and it's it's uh, this is a Feld game if there ever was a Feld game because it is a mess, like the board and all the tiles you have to set up and just all the ways you can get screwed and get points and this is a massive mess of things. Uh, so it's just one of those where you have to like sit and look at it and think and think and think and think and say I don't know what to do oh this will hurt Johnny so I'll do that and that gives me some points too it's just it's just a real brain tease of a game uh, so anyway that's my top 5 from 2013 and I think that's going to about do it for this podcast so once again if you 
haven't checked out Tabletop uh, Showcase, definitely check that stuff out. I have played uh, Wildlands uh, some more uh, since uh, my last podcast, and I haven't done a review of it. I'm a little bit... I have had a couple people ask me this, if I should do a review, or they would like me to do a review of Wildlands. Now, uh, to be upfront, I didn't mention it at the beginning of this episode, but I've mentioned it elsewhere. Uh, you know, we all got paid to do that week of Wildlands content. So... I feel weird about formalizing a review about something I was paid to do. Now, I was paid to do a painting video. I wasn't paid to do a review, obviously. But uh, I still feel a little weird about that. But, hey, ask me casually, and I'll tell you, I really, really like the game. It's a lot of fun. I would say, if you're interested in the game, definitely uh, you know watch Rodney's Watch It Played Rules Overview. That'll give you a sense of, like, okay, this is how the game works. I, I can get some idea if I like it. But then really watch uh, Matt Evans and the Board Game Replay folks. Watch how they break uh, the game down. And a lot of what they talked about and got really deep and chunky on uh, was stuff that I would say in different words uh, in my review of it. Uh, Because they really break down the different strategies, the tactics, uh, just kind of the different approaches to the game and stuff. So definitely watch, you know, any of the tabletop show taste content. But if you're really looking for like a, a thing that's close to a review or like a diagnosis of the game, you know, you can watch the watch it played obviously because that's the rule book, and then that 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 will trigger your own diagnosis in a lot of ways. But then also definitely watch the board game replay to trigger uh, the rest of that. All right. So anyway, that's gonna wrap it up. Everybody that's going to Essen, have a good time. Be safe. And then I will be back. Mm, Let's see. After BGGCon, because I will be at BGGCon. And so I think I'll have a little podcast and I'll be talking about some of the games and stuff that I played. A lot of the new Essen games. Definitely some game I didn't have a clue was going to be any fun. (laughs) And didn't even think about making it on my anticipation list. And I know that I'm going to play one or two games like that. And, And I'll come back and talk about all that stuff. So thanks for listening. Bye.